This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Starting October 1st, some medical services we are accustomed to will no longer be covered by OHIP. It's everything from getting earwax removed by your doctor to x-rays for sinus problems and some CT scans. Now, the the government didn't move on this on its own. Uh, These changes are based on recommendations from the Ontario Medical Association to modernize OHIP, remove duplication, and save some money. Dr. Sahel Gandhi, who is president of the Ontario Medical Association, joins me now. Dr. Gandhi, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, so what are some of the main changes? Well, the main changes that were done were part of something called an appropriateness working group. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to emphasize that the goal of the group, I think, is actually a very good goal. And that is to make sure that the tax dollars that are spent on health care are being spent on the right tests. Uh, you mentioned uh, x-rays, for example. Uh, we know now that the technology has improved to the point we're taking an x-ray of a sinus. Uh, the sinuses, for example, is is outdated. It's not effective. It doesn't give clinicians like myself the best possible information. So it doesn't make sense for OHIP to cover that because it's not appropriate. Um, and that was the kind of thing that the appropriateness working group, uh, that's a joint working group between the government and the OMA, uh, came up with. Uh, so, so that was the sort of lens that we put on uh, this process. Yeah, and and it's really interesting in terms of duplication or tests that might not be necessary. I know that there's been a separate initiative from doctors trying to cut down on the number of tests because some of them might not really be necessary. Some of them may actually be harmful because they Mm -hmm. can uh, make you worry about things that you don't have to worry. And I know that that's, that's been going kind of on a separate track. Right. So that was part of a medical education process called Choosing Wisely Canada, uh, an excellent process that looks at just how uh, physicians are ordering tests, looks at what's really relevant, what's really important, and what shouldn't be duplicated. And some of that work uh, did inform the uh, process around the appropriateness working group. Okay, so... uh... And, And should continue to do so, I may add, on an ongoing basis. Okay, so you've uh, you've mentioned uh, X-rays for CTs. Uh, what are some of the other things? I mean, I remember ages ago going into the doctor's office and they kind of flushed the earwax, and now uh, there's lots of simple over-the-counter things that can do that if it's necessary, right? Exactly. There's a number of different drops, and in fact, you can even buy little uh, flushers over the counter right now. So it's not something that's absolutely necessary for a physician to do uh, because it's such an easy process now to do. There are some, uh, I need to emphasize that there are some limited conditions where it's actually important for physicians to do that uh, in some exceptionally rare circumstances where you're concerned about the uh, the structure of the eardrum and that sort of thing. Uh, 
And in those cases, of course, OHIP will continue to cover that because the goal really is to to only cover uh, things that are medically necessary. And if it's not necessary, then to say, you know, uh, it's probably something that shouldn't be covered. Okay. I, I want to get uh, the numbers out again. I know people have questions about this. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Dr. Gandhi, some CT scans uh, for knees and things like that, knees and hips, have been cut. Uh, why is that? So... Um I believe that the process has changed, actually. It's more of a change in the process. It's not so much that the CTs have been cut specifically, but there's going to be more of what's called a rapid access system. Uh, what that means is if you have someone, or as a, my, I'm a family doctor, so if I as a family doctor have someone who has significant knee issues or significant hip issues and they're nearing the point where they need those tests, uh, they're going to be referred to a rapid access clinic where they're assessed by a specialty team that can determine, you know, yes, the CT is the right thing, or you know what, the CT is not the right thing. We need to do some other test. So it's not so much that they've been cut per se, it's that we're streamlining the process and making it easier for patients to get exactly the right test. Um, if they go to the rapid access clinic and if it's determined that the CT is actually medically necessary, then that still will be covered. Uh, yeah, because uh, sometimes, you know, my experience in the healthcare system is that sometimes I've been asked to do things that I know were completely unnecessary. And sometimes they say, no, there's no need to do that. It's it's kind of nutty. I mean, uh, perhaps we'll get to this story later about a, a CT scan for sinuses that just seemed, uh, it just seemed ridiculous. Um, but there are things here, I mean, you say uh, in here, knee arthroscopy, that's yep. a scope. Uh, it's a small operation for knees. Uh, mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I've had one. It was, you know, didn't do anything. They've been shown to be, in most cases, not useful. Uh, well, I wouldn't say most cases. They've been shown in cases of arthritis yes. to be not very useful. Having said that, if you stop doing the knee arthroscopies for arthritis, that means there's more surgical time available to do knee arthroscopies for places where it does make a difference. If you've got a cartilage tear, for example, in your knee, that's not arthritis. That does require an arthroscopy to fix, and that's still covered. Uh, If you have uh, cartilage, some people have loose foreign bodies in their knee from cartilage, and that, again, does require arthroscopy to fix, and that's still covered. So, uh, again, it's about making sure that if you're going to have a procedure or if you're going to have a test, it's really the right thing, and the evidence, the medical evidence, supports you having that test, and then, of course, OHIP should cover it. Uh, and uh, before we let you go, Dr. Gandhi, do you have any sense of uh, how much money this is all going to save? So I, I'll be frank, I personally didn't look at the money aspect only because, to my mind, this is the kind of work that should actually be happening on a regular basis. Uh, these are taxpayers' dollars, whether you save $1 or you save a million or you save $100 million, I think it's really important to make sure that they fund services that are absolutely needed Uh, And that's the goal of the bilateral committee between the government and the OMA. Okay. Dr. Sohail Gandhi, thanks so much for being with us. 
Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm here with Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Hi, Iris. Hi there, Libby. Okay, so you've already had questions from your patients about all this. Yes, I have had those questions, and I'll share with you. People use words like, is this rationing my care? Am I going to get the imaging that I need and when I need it? For example, my CAT scan and my MRI. Because as soon as they hear the word CT and MRI in the news, they're worried that it's going to affect the services that they'll be receiving or needing. Uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, and uh, I think I get a lot of CTs, regular CTs, uh, you know, to monitor the state, make sure my cancer hasn't coming back. And a couple of years ago, I had this kind of issue with my sinuses. I went from having a strong sense of smell to no sense of smell, went to a specialist, and just about the first thing he wanted me to do was get a CT for my sinuses. And I said, I don't think so. I get enough radiation from this stuff. And, but I said, you know, but wait a minute, I'm scheduled to have my regular CT. Why don't we just do it at the same time? And one was at Mount Sinai, one was next door at Princess Margaret. It's like, oh my God, that's crazy talk. It and, is crazy talk. I couldn't believe, you know, you hear stuff like this. And that's the problem with siloed care and separate electronic medical record systems. What is wrong with and us? And anyway, so at the time, my oncologist happened to be the chief physician at Princess Margaret, and I lobbied him. And first he said, sorry, that's crazy talk. I know that sounds crazy. But he finally arranged for me to have my sinuses scanned at the same time everything else was being sick, scanned with the same dose of radiation. And the scan came back. You have sinusitis. It's like, mm. thank you. <laughs> That's why I went to the doctor. Yep. So yep. I'm assuming that there is a whole lot more of that in the system. And, and people don't realize everybody wants their scans. Well, I'd like to cut down on my scans because there, there's radiation involved. And there's serious radiation when you're talking about you know CT scans. Yeah. CT is radiation. MRI is not radiation. But that said... This particular legislation is not aimed so much at CT of the sinuses aimed by specialists. What they're aiming rather is at, at us 13,000 family doctors in Ontario who would willy-nilly order plain x-rays. That's right, the x-rays you would get in your family doctor's buildings of your sinuses. Because unfortunately, those are not have, have not been shown to make any difference to care. They really don't matter most of the time. Do you think there are some, I mean, a lot of doctors are still paid by procedure as opposed to by uh, patient. Do you think that that has anything to do with it, that some doctors may be ordering things so... See, it's, get... it's really tough because the widget model really doesn't work. So what is the widget model? The widget model is Iris Gorfinkel, as a GP, sees a patient and gets a widget price for that patient. So that model by itself is not, it's not based on any outcomes or how Dr. Iris Gorfinkel actually performs, but rather she's just paid on the number of patients she can see in a day. And that's largely our system still. We need to link it to more th things that matter, things like outcomes, things like complexity of care, technical aspects of the care. There, it's, it's a very, very difficult area, but the government is trying to move into those kind of models of care. So again, going over these, these are 11 things that uh, they came up with. And, you know, they seem to make total sense to me. I mean, there's, uh, you know, in terms of heart monitoring, there's some heart monitoring that's just very old fashioned, technically doesn't work 
very well. And so it's being delisted in favor of, of stuff that's a little more updated. Uh, I can tell you a couple of times I've had to wear a Holter monitor, which completely didn't work because I was supposed to wear it during sports and it came off. Right. Uh, and now yeah. I have a little thing on my phone that can do it. <laughs> Incredible. And I just, it does a little scan, which I can send to the doctor. So yes, those things are being delisted. But my question to you is, is this all backward looking? I would assume that most doctors who keep up aren't doing these things anymore. It's hard because the technology is is widely not available to patients, especially when you're talking about patients who live in rural areas. You know, so getting access to the latest technology may be easy if you're dealing with a university health network in downtown Toronto. But okay, that's not the vast majority of us. You know, so it's it's not easy. But loop monitoring, that's like a holder that goes on for 30 days. They're delisting that because that hasn't been shown to make a difference. Yeah. You know, I would say the good news for Zoomers, and this actually does come as good news, is largely in the realm of patients with knee and hip arthritis. This is really the meat and potatoes of the changes. Knee arthroscopy, as Libby mentioned, is not going to be covered anymore. Unless you've got a loose piece of cartilage that's causing your knee to lock, arthroscopy is bad for us. Because if we're going to cut out a chunk of cartilage in your knee, guess what? That cartilage will never grow back. And as such, it accelerates. It actually worsens osteoarthritis in the long run. So that's why they're deinsuring it. So that translates into better care. The other big change that's happening is that patients with arthritis get better assessed before just being referred for joint replacement of the knee or hip. What does that mean? So instead of going straight to the orthopedic surgeon, patients who would love who would love nothing more than to replace your knee and your hip because that's what they do. Some of them, depending on the yeah, depending on the surgeon, depending on the surgeon. I would like to think more. They're more responsible than that. But the fact of the matter is, they they're. They're in the widget model, right? So the widget model is more widgets, more pay. Yeah, well, it's it's not even a matter of pay, but it's kind of, that's what they do. They yeah. replace knees, so they'll take a look and they want to replace your knees, and maybe you don't have to. Sometimes on the basis of x-ray findings alone, and that is not good medicine. So in fact, the, the studies that have looked at how predictive are plain films, just like your plain x-ray of your knee or hip, how predictive is that of a, of a patient's actually needing surgery? And the answer is there's a, it has very poor predictive qualities. So what matters more is the history. Hello, Mrs. Jones. How are you doing? How's your knee? What are the problems you're actually having? And what have you tried? Are you doing the exercises? Are you doing the physio? What medications have you tried? Have we tried an injection? And basically what these teams are set up to do is to make sure that you've gone through those conservative measures before getting your knee or hip replaced. Well, I- exactly. And and I think we've talked about it this b- before. I've, I've been told by young doctors, you need your knees replaced. Well, guess what? I don't need my knees replaced. I can Poor. probably outrun them. Poor correlation. Well, yeah. Here, yeah. here, you rock, Libby. Well, yep, exactly. I, I'm going to take a, a call from Linda who doesn't really seem to believe from what I'm reading that the doctors came up with these cuts. Hi, Linda. Oh, hi there, Libby. Um, I had a comment and a question. The comment is, um, you know, I had a family member who uh, was off work because they thought he had arthritis in his knee. 
Well, it turned out that six months later through Mount Sinai emergency, they um, diagnosed him through an MRI that he had cancer. Oh, dear. Sorry to hear that. Later. Um, with my dad in you know, University Health Network, he, we went to the pre-op um, meeting, um, and they were outstanding. Um, and we were able to share information that we hadn't been able to share through the whole process that even the family doctor hadn't shared about my dad's heart condition. And we brought in some reports that we had because we collect all that information. And that information basically saved my dad's life with preparing the anesthesiologist with what they needed. I also um, have an ear issue with um, earwax, and, you know, my doctor removed it and sent me to emergency Mount Sinai again with a note that maybe she pierced my eardrum or something. So what I'm actually saying is that um, I have atypical stories of things that might not necessarily go well, and I'm worried that it's cheapening the system. And also, when things are shown not to be medically effective, it might just be the question that I'm asking is that maybe the people that are getting these scans and loop monitors, because I've had it and needed it, maybe it's the people that, don't, that aren't getting access to it. Maybe the people that are getting it are people that don't, but the people that actually need it aren't getting the access. And all well, doctors- well, all of these, I'm going to let Iris sure. respond. We, we get your question, but all of these things, as, as I said, had a caveat, like the earwax is not necessary for most people, but there are certain conditions where it is necessary and it will be allowed. Uh, same same deal with the loop monitors. We're going to get something that's more technically yeah. advanced. And and um, Iris wanted to say something about the pre-op assessment. So and, and Linda, I'm going to let her sure. respond. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Linda, so much. I want to thank you so much for your call and for your points, because I think they're important to bring out to the audience that if a service is in fact medically needed, that service is not going to be denied. That service is still going to happen. So in the unfortunate circumstance of your father, who had a cancer on his knee, I mean, that's, that's really a horrible situation. But that said, that would still be picked up. We would still do the x-ray, he would still get the CT and the MRI, and whatever imaging was deemed necessary at the time. And same with removing your earwax. If that's deemed necessary, it's going to be done. What's been de-insured is cutting the fat. Doctors have to be able to justify why these things are being done and not just done, say, on every patient with knee pain or every patient who has a slight earwax problem. And uh, in terms of the pre-op appointment, she was talking about pre-op appointment at the hospital. I think that continues. They've discontinued you doing with your doctor, right? I share concerns around that. I actually share concerns. I think that we as family doctors have charts that go back for years on patients. My own charts go back 20 years on my patients. That's a lot of information that I personally worry a surgeon and an anesthetist together with their 10 or 15 minute consults could easily miss. So in those situations, I'm like looking past October 1st, when these changes are coming to be, I'm going to try to give my patients their medical records to take with them and make sure that they have the information that they need. This just, it just shows you the need for patients to have direct access to primary care records. And I think that this government is looking into making sure that patients do get that access. Yeah, I mean, right now there are medical records in all kinds of different places, and uh, there are services, including one that CARP offers, where you can get them all 
uh, in one place. But uh, yeah, it's not a slam dunk for everyone. And that is something definitely to think about. That could prove life-saving to have that information available when you need it. You know, so getting it from your family doctor, getting it from Zoom or radio, possibly. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that we should know that is going to be delisted? We have less than a minute left. Less than a minute. So what else is delisted? Um, pop, 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 pop. Probably the most important thing for the Zoomer audience is to know that you don't have to go to your family doctor to just get a referral. I say hallelujah to that because I am so sick of seeing patients come to the office just to get a piece of paper to give permission to see a specialist whom they've already been seeing for And of course, years. the referral will be done by fax. <laughs> exactly. I mean, talk about a waste. That's a total waste. And I was really glad. To so see how is it going to happen now? Because a lot you can't, not everybody can email their doctors. That's right. Or, so there's just no need to get a referral so, to a specialist so, if it's the same problem within two years. Just a minute. So, so how do you get to see the specialist? You call the specialist and say, it's the same problem within the two year time frame. And that's now covered under. OHIP. Just a minute. That, that you've already seen the specialist yes. for, but you need a referral to go for the first time, no? Oh, the first time you still need a referral. That's right, Libby. And you still have to go into the office to get it? Uh, yes, you do. But, well, I, I have to justify to that specialist why I'm referring in the first place, right? So for the first time, that makes sense, right? I'm, I'm triaging it. I'm understanding it. I'm seeing if I can manage the problem without a long wait, with much less cost to the system. So that makes sense. The first time makes sense. But what, I, what I'm griping about here is that I don't like the fact that I'm seeing patients on an ongoing basis who are saying, give me a referral. It's, been, it's just been over a year, and my specialist is asking for a referral for the same problem. It's my thyroid. It's my whatever it is. And, and it's the very same problem. So I'm, gl- I'm grateful to see that they've corrected that. And now you've got two years to see that specialist. You don't need to go back to see your family doctor again. Hallelujah. Okay. Anything else you want to leave us with? I would say that I'm hoping this government will will move more toward bringing care to elders who are at home. And, you know, they've, they've kept the house calls in, but I think we can do better than that. I think we need to work to bring much more care directly to elders who are at home, the palliative, the infirm. And I don't see enough in here about that. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.